Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. So, who's, who's tired? Yeah, some hands. <laughs> my, my daughter says, slay, and I think it means... Something positive, right? <laughs> oh, I agree. Slay is one of those universal words like aloha, I guess. Well, I'm glad that those of you that made it, made it. And I know it's, it's a busy time. Tracy, you drove all the way from Menifee. Amazing. Thanks for being here. Happy New Year to you all. I hope you've had a, a nice, joyful, loving holiday. Have you had a good time with family, friends, celebrating Jesus' birth, gift-giving, eating lots of food? Did anyone eat too much this week? (laughs) I've definitely been feasting for seven days, I think. We have um, family in town, and we have had lots of laughter, lots of games. I love this time of year. And then we launch into a new year. Are you thinking about a new year? Yeah? Or do you think that way? Some people just don't even pay attention to the calendar, but other people are thinking, oh, this is the end of a season, the beginning of a new season. Do do I hear animals now? (laughs) You guys, I tell you what. Okay, well... It's good to be here. If, uh, if you're watching it and you're wondering what's happening, I think I just heard a dog barking. There might be a dog in our lobby. That's why I was wondering about the, the animals. <laughs> Call animal control. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm thinking a little bit about... Oh, by the way, if I met you, I'm Ron, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to, believe it or not, going to open up the Bible, and we're going to do some training, some learning, some teaching from the Bible. Um, and we're going we're gonna to lean into, well, we're going to launch from stuff that we talked about last week. So if you were here last week, you have a head start. So we'll be able to jump forward. Oh, there's a, there's a picture on the screen I see. That is an interesting title that I will explain in about 15 minutes. Ten, the fire of God's love, and every good thing will follow. That's actually the title of what we want to talk about today in that picture of the the wood fire has something to do with an image that I have in mind. But um, have you ever heard this phrase? This came up in a conversation I was having earlier this week. That if you want to, something like this. If you want to fix the fruit or if you want to heal the fruit, you have to heal the root. Have you ever heard that? If you want to take care of the fruit, you have to take care of the root. Have, who hasn't ever heard that phrase? Oh, so especially in the context, um, if you are dealing with someone in a, maybe a therapeutic model, a therapeutic environment where someone has serious dysfunction in their life, uh, something just isn't working in the way they work with their family or their friends, you won't get very far if you just deal with the behavior and try to change the behavior. That's the fruit. You need to get to the root. Usually, with dysfunctional issues, it's because of trauma long ago that hasn't been healed yet that creates fruit in the present from roots that God developed in the past. Does that make sense? A lot of issues in life are more root issues than fruit issues. And if you deal with the root, you take care of the fruit. So what we're going to talk about isn't dealing with a problem. It's actually dealing with something really positive, but it's another one of those root issues we're going to be talking about what we talked about last week. Last week was the last week of Advent. Remember Advent, right? Um, we had four weeks going into the Christmas holiday. Advent meaning arrival. We were talking about Jesus arriving, both at his first coming and Jesus arriving in the future, hopefully the near future, at his second coming, and also even the daily arrival of his presence as we pray and experience your kingdom come, right? So... Um, Jesus arriving, we talked about different aspects, and this is something churches around the world do for the four weeks going to Christmas. Do you remember, remember those themes? Let's see if I remember. There was 
Was there hope? Peace. What else? Joy. And love. Love was last week. So the idea was roughly that in Jesus' coming, those things were present, but they changed dramatically in his coming. When Jesus arrived, the Messiah, the, the promised Messiah, and the day that we celebrate as Christmas, love broke into our world in a way that it never was here before. Everything changed. And if you didn't know that, let me just say it really. Everything changed. We could document historically how the planet has changed because people begin following Jesus and experience his love in them and through them both to God and people. For, for example, we could just tick off a couple things. We have hospitals around the world because people began to become followers of Jesus and they begin to love God and love others. And they went, oh, we got to take care of sick people. That's where hospitals came from. I don't know if you knew that. We have, wherever there is uh, poverty and orphan problems, there are orphan care ministries around the world because people have become followers of Jesus. Jesus broke into this world. He arrived. Love came in a totally different way, changing the hearts of people. We could document thing after thing after thing. We have universities in the world because of Jesus. I don't know if you knew that. We have scientific method because people began following Jesus. That's where it came from. We have uh, the end of slavery. It's true that people that were followers of God misused the Bible to support slavery. But ultimately, the slave trade in the UK and the end of slavery in the United States came because people following Jesus said, we cannot treat people made in the image of God as if they were animals or machinery to be used for our wealth. It's absurd. We can't do that anymore. And it ended. The world has changed. Love entered the world unusually, differently, immensely because of Jesus coming. So we've been talking about that, and now I want to take that further with this kind of thesis that I'll de develop um, for the scriptures, that um, if we get love right, everything good will follow. Now, if you were here last week, you, you'd know the answer to this question, so let's take a test. Jesus was one time approached by a religious leader, a guy called a Pharisee, a particular really, uh, really high-level religious leader, someone who knew the, uh, the Hebrew Scriptures memorized, I mean, knew them well, had studied, was really good at being a really good person, and he asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus' answer was, what was the answer? And I, for that, I should say slay. <laughs> right? Did I do that right? Oh, she shrunk down in her seat. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, your strength. And then he said, and there's another one like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, all of the Hebrew scriptures, all of the commandments, all of the law and the prophets, everything that you have in the first half of your Bible hangs on these two things. If we get love right, everything else follows. So it's a root issue. If we can get love right, everything good will follow. And if you'll spend some time thinking about this, maybe during the day you'll think about this, every problem we have on our planet would be solved and will be solved as people get love right. I want to reference a book. I often give you book titles. I may have told you this last week. There's a really small booklet that's actually the transcription, I think, of a conference that that guy I always talk about, Dallas Willard, gave, and it's called Getting Love Right. So good book for you, and some of the thoughts I have will be, would be plagiarism if I didn't give him credit right now. I don't know all of them, but some of the things I'm going to say are really um, inspired by his writing, Getting Love Right. So, Jesus said everything hangs, the entire law, the entire prophets, the Old Testament, all the promises that you love from the Old Covenant hang on this. 
If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, it'll all take, be taken care of. I'll get to why I have the picture of a flame. It sort of made me make sense already, but there's a metaphor I want to use that I'll talk about. So uh, another question for you. Uh, we tr tried this last week, and you guys had some good ideas. How would you define love? Ooh, silence. Was this question harder? Oh, Jesus, that's a good answer. But <laughs> Work harder, though. That's an easy answer. How would you define love? So Hani says compassionately caring. He said compassion. Someone said compassionately caring. So love, okay, now you're using 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. All those words, good. What else? Raised your hand. I see the man <laughs> near the back. What's your, what's your answer, young man? Sacrificing your well-being, slay for the good of someone else. <laughs> Brianna. Say that again. Full acceptance without enabling. How interesting, yeah. Yeah. Absence of fear. Well, that's interesting. If you think that through, if the, the people that you don't act lovingly toward, you might have fear of them. They're the unknown, or you might be thinking they're dangerous. So you, you back up. That's really, that's insightful. That's, what's your name? Brian. Brian, thanks for that. I appreciate that. Anything else? Bold, it, it is bold and courageous. Yeah, you guys got the juices flowing now. You're thinking of the fruits of the Spirit. So it's an outflow of the working of the Holy Spirit in us. I think that's good. You guys are a smart crowd. So, so I have um, been using this thinking that uh, love is willing the good of another. You know, if I, if I will your good... Then, and I act on that, then I'm, I'm blessing you. And it's different than the common thinking that would be in our culture where love is often confused with desire. And, you know, stealing from Dallas Willard, I've often said, uh, <laughs> we will say, I love my child and I love chocolate cake. But when the chocolate cake hears that you love it and you approach it with a fork, it has a different view of love <laughs> than your child because you're about to consume it. And we often in our culture think that love is the thing that we want to have, that we desire. And that's not what love is. So I've thought love is having um, a will to do good to the object of my love. I, I want your good, so I'm going to bless you, even if it costs me a lot. But I've, I've modified that thinking a little bit. And I want to say that uh, well, you, can, you can do good, you can even will good, and actually not necessarily have love. Paul talks about that in the section of scripture that Cora was mentioning. Um, you can give everything you have to the poor, which is a good, loving thing to do. But if you don't have love, it doesn't profit you anything. You know, you know that scripture. So I'm, I'm going a little deeper, kind of a root level, and thinking something like this. Love is a condition of the soul such that loving acts naturally proceed. And I didn't say that very well, but I think you're starting to get the idea. So, in other words, when I approach someone and now I want to be loving toward them, if my working, my thinking is, okay, now I have to do some act of love, I might fall short and I might be able to say this, well, I can't love that person. I can love this one, but I'm not able to love that one. Um, because if you knew what they did to me, you wouldn't love them either. Have you ever thought that? But, so if, if love is an action, then, then I might fall short like that, and especially if it's built in desire. But if love has to do with the entire condition of who I have become as a person, so that I am a loving person, 
then I will naturally act in love toward even my enemies. And that, I think, is what we're going to see in the scriptures. It's a heart issue. Does that make sense so far? Yeah? Okay. I'm, you, you know, I'm not here to be like a professional speaker and have you think I'm a good talker. I'm, I'm here to share with my friends in such a way that I hope that you could go home and tell someone else what you learned today. Got it? So, so we're training. We're being disciples. We're growing so that you can tell someone else what you've learned today. It should be that simple. And Oh, by the way, but we'll do a lot of scriptures too. And you think, well, I can't remember all those scriptures. If you want anything that I say today, like scriptures that we read, send an email or text to any of the ways that you know to connect with us. It'll get to me, and I will send you my notes but you have to ask for it because those that are interested in learning get anything they want. Those that don't care get nothing. That's how it works. Jesus said that to his disciples. Do you know that? They, he, they said, well, you know, why aren't you telling everyone these things? He said, well, you're the ones that are my disciples. It stays a mystery to them. Anyone can have it, but you've got to want it. And if you come with faith to Jesus, you'll get what you want. If you seek, you'll find. But, you, but those that don't seek don't find. That's another story. Okay, so getting to this idea of love not being located in desire, but being located in the wholeness of who I am as a person. Do you remember what was called the Sermon on the Mount? You can read about Matthew 5, that area, where Jesus said stuff like, you've heard it said, you shouldn't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look with lust at someone that you're not married to. You've already committed adultery in your heart. Remember that? So he brought it to the heart issue. In other words, there were people that were really good at not getting in bed with someone they weren't married to. But their mind went all sorts of places. And he said, look, this is an issue of the heart. If you look at someone and you, you know, don't covet your neighbor's wife, have you heard that in the commandments? And you look at her and you think, ah, I want her. I want her so much that if I get the opportunity, I'm going to have her. He said, you might as well have done it already. You've already sinned by making the choice to sin. You've already sinned. It's an issue of the heart. He said the same thing about murder. You've heard it said, don't murder. Thou shalt not commit murder. But I say to you, if you look at your brother and you say, raka, which would be an Aramaic expression that basically says, you're worthless. You have no value. If I say that, in my heart about you, I already have murder in my heart, and I've got the seeds of what could turn into killing you with the right circumstances. So Jesus moved things from action to who we are as a person, and our role is to develop as people that are becoming more and more like Jesus. And um, Jesus said this, unless, this was in the Sermon on the Mount, Unless your righteousness exceeds or surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, you won't even enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> and the scribes and Pharisees were, were like, you know, the fundamentalists of their day. They made sure they didn't do anything wrong. They followed the letter of the law. And his point was, unless you've been transformed in your heart, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. It's not any different than what he said to Nicodemus that night, the Nick at night night where he said, someone laughed at that. Slay, no, not slay. So, <laughs> Jesus told Nicodemus, I'm telling you, unless you're born again, unless you're born from above, you can't enter the kingdom of God. It's the same story. Unless something has changed on the inside, we won't enter God's kingdom. And Jesus, in that context, said, look, I'm going to go to a cross. When you see me lifted up, if you look in faith to me, then something will happen. I'll make sure it happens. I will cause you to be born of the Spirit. You'll change on the inside. You'll come alive, and no longer will you be thinking about righteous acts. You'll be becoming a person who is righteous from the inside out, and it will change how you live. It's a root issue. One thing that we have definitely learned that the law of God proved, the law of Moses, the old covenant, having a list of rules of what to do and a list of rules of what not to do has zero power to change us. 
more, more lists, better rules, has no power to change us. The point of the old covenant was to show us our need for a savior. So we, we fall into it. Now we've just learned, we've just learned that everything hangs on love. And we find out soon that we all fall short when it comes to love. So the, the goal is not to try harder to love people that aren't lovely. The goal is to get into what God has made available to transform us into being loving people so that we naturally overflow with love. And if we get love right, we get everything else. So when we go like next month, as Sharon said, we're going to be talking about missions. We're going to be talking about this phrase, Jesus said go. That, that's the theme of next month. The root that gets us there is being people of God that have love incorporated into the very fabric of our being. So we will go because we are love. We will go because we love. We won't, have you, have you ever had someone try to lead you to Jesus that didn't love you? How'd that go? I've, I've been, I've had people try to lead me to Jesus and I was already in Jesus, but I was, you know, on their to-do list. They didn't get to know me. They didn't love me. They just, I was not. Have you seen the guy at the, down at the pier yelling at people? Repent, you're going to hell. How far is he getting, you think? Have you seen people that love the hurting and then tell them about Jesus and their lives are transformed? If we get love right, we get everything. Uh, he, Oh, here's another example of this. I'm just kind of develop, getting this thought deeply in us, and then I'll get to the, to the main thrust of what I wanted to say that's more practical. One time, Jesus was breaking one of the rules because he and his disciples were having a meal, and he didn't do the ceremonial washing of the hands that they had. And the Pharisees said, why don't you wash your hands? You guys are unclean. And Jesus said... Uh, Matthew 15, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that's what makes him unclean. Then a little while later, Peter said, Jesus, explain the parable to us. We don't understand, you know, this thing about washing. And Jesus said, are you still so dull? You know, like, how long am I going to be with you explaining these things? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach, then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. These make a person unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But anything with washed, unwashed hands doesn't make you unclean. It's a matter of the heart. It's a root issue. So another example of that that's a positive example, that, that theme, is Paul writing to the new Christians in this place called Thessalonica. We have it in our Bible as 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, a letter he wrote to these young Christians. And he wrote to them, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, that's hard to say, Thessalonians 2, verse 8. We love you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That's what love looks like. We didn't just come because it's loving to preach the gospel. We shared with you our very lives. And then the rest followed. If we get love right, we get everything else. So, take home message. We've learned three things we've just talked about. One, love is the most important thing. If you get love, you get everything else. Two, love is a condition of the soul more than just action. And three, I need help. I need, huh? I need a savior to transform me. And this is what I'm going to talk about more fully now. This is where the, 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 the title came from. We need to be born of the Spirit. We need to be transformed by God's work. But we have a role to play in partnering with Him. So it's not us without Him, and it's not Him without us. We partner together. 
as we grow in what we commonly call discipleship, being a follower of Jesus and learning his ways. And I want to talk about um, our role. And this is where this image came from. So do any of you like to go camping? You do. Where do you like to go camping? Wherever you go. Where do you like to camp? La Jolla. Where do you camp in La Jolla? La Jolla Indian Reservation. I was thinking of the hotels. Because I was thinking of camping at the La Jolla Hilton. <laughs> where, else, where else do you like to go camping? Yosemite. Yosemite. Come on. Or hiking there too, huh? I like the sequoias. Big, oh, where the redwoods are. I mean, California. Come on. Okay, so one of the things I love about camping is very simple. I love the next morning after you've set up your tent. It's still cold, and you've, you start a fire, and you get a cup of coffee, and I'm sitting in my chair. I usually have like a blanket on my lap because it's cold, but the fire is warm. And I'm reading my Bible and drinking my coffee, and I'm enjoying a fire. And I love, do you like the smell of the wood burning? I lo- and the crackle? And it's quiet, and there's just something really cool about a fire. And it's warm, and I love watching the flames dance, and you can never figure out what they're going to do because they're just crazy dancing all over the place. So, sometime, so I have in my backyard one of those portable fire pits so I can recreate that experience. And on Thursday morning, I thought, while I'm praying and studying and preparing to talk with you on Sunday, I'm going to make a fire. And I, use, I have this bin, this plastic bin full of pine cones from the few pine trees that we have. And pine cones are awesome at starting fires because they burn fast. They burn really hot. If you can get them going, they just light up and you have and your wood kind of stacked on them and you get the wood burning. Does that make you know about this? Does anyone do that? Okay. So my problem was a lot of my pine cones are damp because they got soaked. So instead of them bursting into flame, it was not happening and I'm trying to study, but now I'm having to tend the fire. And I'm fiddling with the fire, trying to get it going. And then it would go, and then it would go out. And I think, well, maybe if I get some of the drier pine cones. Next to the wetter pine cones, the heat from the drier pine cones will dry out the wet ones. They'll get dry, then they'll burn, and then I'll have a better fire. And that kind of worked. And I just had to tend the fire. And as I'm tending the fire and fiddling and moving and stirring and thinking about love, I thought, this is a really good image. And maybe this will work. Metaphors sometimes work. If it doesn't work for you, you know, just throw it away. (laughs) But if it does work, picture this. And that's where that that picture came from, the, the title slide. If you tend the fire of God's love, everything good will follow it. By the way, do you know what it takes to have fire? There's three ingredients, you know? Oxygen, fuel, and matches. So there was never fire until... The 20th century, or whenever they developed matches. No, you need heat, oxygen, and fuel. And in a wood fire, the fuel is the? Yeah, okay. So here's the metaphor I pictured. I pictured that the flame is actually the, the action of loving. The fuel, the wood, is who I am. And the oxygen is the activity of the Holy Spirit the breath, the wind, the activity of the Holy Spirit in me, especially dynamically interacting with someone who needs love. So I'm in life, and I run across someone whom I can show actions of love to, the flame, and I need the fuel to be available to burn. Does that image sort of work? Can work with that a little bit? And maybe you'll picture that in the future when you think about your life tomorrow in loving. So it turns out that you can have fuel But if the fuel is damp, the fire won't work. So we're going to look at two scriptures in particular that talk about removing stuff from the fuel, removing the dampness, so to speak, so that the the wood can burn and you can have the flame of God's love. Because we're talking about an issue of soul, an issue of who I am as a whole person. How do I become the kind of person from whom love naturally overflows. If I get that right, then everything good will follow. And if we get that right, we will light up our city with Jesus. Neighborhood by neighborhood, neighbor by neighbor, family by family.
but we got to get love right. Sound good? Okay, so we'll dive into this. Tending the flame. So here's, here's the first of two scriptures I want to look at that are about removing something. 1 Peter 1, starting at verse 22 and going to the second chapter. We're just going to read three, three verses. Peter says, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So, he, he said, this is what I said before. You've had the part of transformation. You've put your faith in Jesus. You've been born again. You have love. Now we want to make sure that you see to it that you love deeply. He describes a little bit. I'm going to skip a verse where he talks about this um, being born again. And he says this. Therefore, so since you've been born again, since love is there, See to that you love each other deeply. Therefore, rid yourself of something. Rid yourself of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Now, this is one of those situations where the thing you want to accomplish, you don't attack directly, but you attack it indirectly. Most good stuff in God's kingdom works this way. I have been given a will, an ability to choose many things. And especially, I have the power to choose what I think about. You do too. It's very important that you choose what you think about. A way to rid myself of malice, which is the desire to do harm to people. And those other things that follow, what was it? It was... Deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, they're all kind of overflows, flows, uh, an outflowing of malice. I will do, I'll be in trouble if I discover that I have anger and hatred to someone I want to do them harm. You have that if you drive on the five freeway. Right? You're honking your horn. Your, your horn is the most harm you can do without getting arrested, but you've, you've thought you'd like to do more to this person in front of you. The thing not to do is think, oh, I need to get rid of malice. I need to change my heart toward this person. There's something deeper I can do that's scriptural. I can be kind, I can change the kind of person I am by doing some different thinking and realizing that every person I meet is absolutely invaluable to God. And precious. And here's what I do. When I run into someone who doesn't seem very lovely to me, I think that person was once someone's little baby, just like my daughter was and my son was. And they were completely precious. And we would give anything to take care of them, no matter what they did. So I meet someone, I think this person was once that way. And all, you know what? If you start to think about people, the way God thinks about them, you won't have malice anymore. It only, I'm not dealing with malice. I'm dealing with my heart toward people. And if I deal with my heart toward people, the malice will be taken care of. And I'll discover that I have a loving attitude toward them. By removing malice, which I did with a choice of my will to see people the way God sees them. You can do that. You can do that by reading the scriptures, by worshiping, by praying for people, or just simply remembering what I just told you. <laughs> everyone, you, everyone is amazing. You have not met a person who's not amazing. You haven't. If you, if you will take the time to get to know someone's story, you'll be amazed that they've survived their life to this point. You're like, how do you even survive what you've gone through that you've made it this far? Is that the truth? Yeah. You discover people are just, just incredibly valuable. Precious to God, and you think, man, they were made in God's image. They were created with a dream and a destiny and a future. And the reason they're unlovely right now is not so that I can show more malice toward them. 
Suddenly I see someone who's unlovely and I think this is someone who needs some love. And I can be part of the process of restoring them into the image of God that they were originally designed to reflect. They need the presence of God. They need some care and some love. Something went wrong, but the raw material was good because they're made in the image of God. They're infinitely valuable. Every person you meet. I was thinking about you all this morning, just looking around the room when we were worshiping, thinking, oh my goodness, the potential. Just this small group right now. If you get a hold of God and God gets a hold of you completely, your world will never be the same. And the people you interact with will be changed for good powerfully because of what God wants to do in each one of you individually. I mean, it's inc- the, the potential is amazing. And when I see people that way, malice is the farthest thing from my mind. And no longer am I envying them and being deceitful and hypocritical about them. The things that Peter just said. Because you want to love people deeply, make sure that you rid yourself of these things. And that's a part of what I can do in cooperation with what God's already done inside of me as I'm growing in the disciple of Jesus, becoming a person who is loving so that love naturally proceeds and then every good thing will follow. Are we, are we tracking with each other? Let's look at another one. Actually, before I look at another one, I want to look at this one verse. This is, uh, I told you that book Dallas Willard, Willard wrote, Getting Love Right. He says this, love is nourished upon the good and the right and the beautiful. So Paul tells us in Philippians 4, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. If you choose to do that, someone's going to say, well, you're just such a Pollyanna and you're not living in reality. Things are not that good. This world sucks. But you're like, no. I'm going to use my will to choose to think about things that are praiseworthy and lovely and true of excellence, of beauty, and here's what happens. It's, see, I'm not working at being a loving person at that time. I'm working at just thinking about what I think about. But the result is, I become a loving person. If you choose to look at what the media that you have available to you in your phone 24 hours a day wants to... It knows, the people that create media know that you and I are attracted to sensational stories about how bad people are, especially in politics. And it doesn't matter. The people that are selling advertising dollars know that they can get a hold of whatever your particular political persuasion is and say bad things about the other guy, and you'll be drawn to it. And they will make money off of you by getting you angry. Did you know that? Whether you're right wing or left wing, it doesn't matter. They will try to get you to hate the other side so that they can advertise and make money off of you. Don't be a victim. (laughs) And realize that it's good to be knowledgeable about things that are going on in the world, but whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And you'll discover that you're becoming more like Jesus. It's really remarkable. Okay, second scripture. There's only been two of these kind of things to remove from me. How are we doing? As I just looked at the clock and it said you should stop now, Ron. Okay. One of the biggest hindrances to being the kind of person who overflows with love is something something called self-will. It's this stubborn belief that I have to get my way, that I have to get what I desire, and above all else, I should never be humbled by being exposed for being wrong. 
There is in us and sometimes in some of us strongly this belief that I must have my way. That I must get what I want. That I can never be humbled. And that is a hindrance to the flame of love. It's like a wet log. You'll never burn bright with God's love if self-will is rooted in you. So John says this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. He's going to talk about what I just said in three things. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father isn't in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. If I want to be the kind of fuel that can burn with the flame of God's love, I need to rid myself of these things. Well, how can I do that? How can I destroy self-will? I can cooperate with the Lord and choose whenever it's an opportunity to me to not get my way. Have you ever done that? Don't get your way. Choose to let someone else get their way. What it will do for you is change you into the kind of person who can burn bright with God's love. Believe it or not, it's indirect. You obey this word, you grow as a disciple of Jesus, and you become love. Choose to say no to getting your way. One of the ways to do that is to fast. Because you've got desires. You desire things that are okay. It's good to eat. It's good to, to watch something. It's good to do things that are they're fine to do. But you can choose to fast from them and say, you know what? That desire is no longer ruling me. I'm going to practice not getting what I want. And when you do that, something grows in you so that you can easily love. You become wood that got dried out again. You're good fuel. You can learn to say these words, I was wrong. Has anyone ever said that? Remember Fonzie couldn't say that. I was rude. I was rude. Because we're like old people, so we remember happy days, right? I was rude. I think it's my son that says, I was less right. Which gets us somewhere. What does that do? That drives a nail into pride. This idea that I've got to think that everyone thinks that I'm right and I'm the smartest guy in the room, I can get rid of that by admitting I was wrong and I apologize, I'm sorry. The result will be I'll be getting rid of the pride of life, the thing that John just spoke about. making a decision right now. I'm going to read one more scripture, okay? You're not going to throw me out? Okay. This is a short one. You are going to throw me out? Who said that? Okay. I better sit down. 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 6. This is now on the positive side, how to become the kind of fuel that burns bright. The Timothy, Timothy is a letter that Paul wrote to young Timothy who he said, you know, stay in this place called Ephesus and straighten some things out, and you got to command some certain people not to do this and command these other people to do this and just fix things up in this church that's kind of a mess in Ephesus. And then he says, here's why I'm telling you this. The goal of this command is love. Love comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. A pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And again, surprisingly, this often comes back to this. You have the power to choose what you think about. And you can keep your heart pure by choosing not to think certain things and to think certain things. Choose to think about things that are pure and you know them because you're smart and you've got the Spirit of God living in you. And when you're tempted to think about things that are not pure, choose not to think about them by thinking about things that are pure. Think about what you think about, because what you think about affects your heart, and love comes from a pure heart. 
Love comes from a good conscience. So when your conscience bothers you, listen to it and respond quickly. Your conscience tells you, ah, you shouldn't have done that. Respond and go to the person that you shouldn't have done that to and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And go to God and say, God, I was wrong. I confess my sin. Please purify me. And now your conscience is pure and you no longer have the burden on it. It's quite simple, isn't it? Did you know, though, that doing that would make you a person who can love naturally? If we tend the fire of God's love, all the good stuff comes after that because the law and the prophets and everything the Old Testament had to say, hang on these two things, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. What was the third thing? A sincere faith. A sincere faith is genuine confidence that God is good, that God is at work. You know, God's at work. If you thought when God left me, he forgot about my situation, you're mistaken. He didn't. God is always at work. And when I believe that it's actually a good world that I live in, it's bathed in God's presence, and God is at work, and when I cooperate with him and I partner with him, and he's inviting me to join him in what he's doing, it changes my demeanor, and I'm able to love other people because now I have a sincere faith. I sincerely know that the simplicity of God's presence is real and available to me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, the psalmist says. The Lord's my shepherd. He's going to provide all my needs. He's always provided my needs. Look at me. I'm here today. I'm almost 60 years old for 60 years. He's always provided all my needs. I have a sincere faith that way. The result is love is able to burn bright because I'm a person who's developing as one with a sincere faith, a good conscience, and a pure heart. And time is up. You have a... You have a role to play. Love is the most important thing. We get love, we get everything else. I need help. And I get to participate in the help by being a disciple of Jesus. Let's stand together. As we go into the next 12 months, people, As we go into the next 12 months, we're going to talk about lots of things. We're going to learn lots of things. But I think a root issue that will change everything is if we focus on becoming people who are characterized by love, everything else will follow. It all is rooted in knowing how to love God and love each other. And I'm hoping that you and I will have that as a root condition of our life, especially just focusing as a, a new beginnings 2024. Father, I want to pray for us right now. <sighs> Let your spirit move amongst us and upon us individually and corporately. That we would get love right that we would look to you for salvation, for new birth and new growth, that we would be disciples of Jesus, that we would be rooted and grounded in your love, that we would experience the Father's love because we love, because we were first loved by you that we would be people who overflow with adoration and love for God, loving you with our soul and our mind and our strength, that you would so change us by the working of your spirit, that we would become the kind of people who overflow with love, that we do good deeds that benefit people, that we care for the lost and the hurting, and that we love the unlovely, that we even love our enemies. Because you've changed us.
Let your kingdom come now. Turn our hearts toward you. Listen, if you're hearing me and you've never given your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that's step one. He said, if you put your faith in me, I will see to it that you were born again of the Spirit. You'll be changed from the inside out. I'll put my Spirit in you, but you've got to put faith in me. If you put your faith in yourself or in some religion or anything other than me, you, you won't get it. You've got to trust me with your life, Jesus said, and then I will give you life from the inside out. Put your faith in Jesus today. If you're watching me online, do that. If you're in the room, just turn to him and say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. Jesus, I trust you with my life. Fill me with your spirit. Wash away my sins. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. And I want to follow you the rest of my life. That kind of prayer gets you going. Hey, there's going to be some people at the front, I think. There usually are. I don't see them yet, but usually some prayer people. And so if, if you would like to have a touch from the Lord, healing for your body, healing for your soul, prayer for relationships that are broken, prayer for any kind of need. These people want to bless you, and they will lay hands on you if you let them, and they'll prophesy to you, and they'll encourage you. And the Lord will touch you, so come and get prayers you need. The worship band's going to um, do some worshiping, and we're invited to join them. You can hang out as long as you want. I'm sure there's some good donuts out in the front. Go eat some sweet and chatted up with some friends happy new year to you may the lord bless you and may the lord keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you the lord be gracious unto you and give you rest we hope you've enjoyed this message this weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.